Good morning. Today is Sunday, April 10th, 2022. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev was a beloved and important Hasidic Rebbe. He was one who not only assumed everyone was innocent and always looked for the best way to explain someone's behavior, but he also sought out the merit in other people. He sought out the opportunities to demonstrate before God that his people, although sometimes we may not look like it, but in fact that we are sweet and wonderful and holy and dear to God. During the time of Levi Yitzchak, there was a very difficult situation between Russia and Turkey. And Jews living in Russia were not allowed to have any kind of contact with Turkey, and Turkish merchandise was not allowed into Russia. And the penalty for possession of Turkish merchandise in Russia at that time was very, very severe. It could be a long jail term. It could even, God forbid, be death. One Pesach night before the Seder, Rabbi Yitzchak Berdichev said to his followers, his congregation, he said, we cannot start the Pesach Seder without some Turkish snuff. And he ordered them, go out and find and bring me some Turkish snuff, because without the snuff, we're not going to start. They said to him, Rebbe, but it's impossible because there's a law against having anything from Turkey, and someone who violates this would be in great trouble. Berdichevich said, it doesn't matter. I'm not, does, I'm not interested. Get the snuff from Turkey, or we're not starting the Seder. Okay. All the people went out, they went from here to there, they looked around, and finally they found someone who had a little bit of Turkish snuff and brought it to the Rebbe. Then the Rebbe said, Now, in order to start the Pesach Seder, I have to have some fine Turkish wool. Go out and find me a bolt of wool from Turkey. Turkish wool. They said, Rebbe, it's impossible. No merchandise from Turkey is allowed in. Anyone who has, have, has such a product would be subject to terrible punishment. We can't bring you Turkish wool. Levi Yitzhak said, it doesn't matter. I'm not interested in your excuses. We're not starting the Pesach Seder until I have some Turkish wool. The crowd dispersed. And after a while, eventually, they brought him a bolt of Turkish wool. Rebbe said, good. Okay, now one more thing we need. In order to start the Seder, I want you to go out and I want you to find a piece of bread that belongs to a Jewish person. I said to him, Rebbe, it's impossible. Tonight's Pesach. Jews don't have chametz. They don't have bread. Rebbe Yitzhak says, it doesn't matter. You have to go out and find it. I'm not starting the Seder until... You bring me a piece of bread that belongs to a Jewish person. So the crowd dispersed and they went looking and they went searching. And finally they came back and they said, I'm sorry, we, we, we looked everywhere. 
We searched everywhere. We were able somehow to find the snuff. We were able somehow to find the Turkish wool. The bread belonging to a Jew on Pesach, we just couldn't find it anywhere. And at that moment, Levi Yitzchak Abedichev was ecstatic. And he lifted his eyes towards heaven and he said, Master the universe, look how wonderful your people are. The Tsar has a mighty army and well-armed police, and they're permitted to shoot on sight anyone that has a product from Turkey. And no one is going to dare to have Turkish products with this punishment in mind. And yet when I wanted Turkish snuff and I wanted Turkish wool, somehow I was able to get it. Somehow it was to be found. But you, God, you do not have an army. And nobody fears that if they have chametz on Pesach, they're going to be shot on sight. And yet, you, God, commanded that the Jewish people should not have chametz on Pesach, and it is nowhere to be found. Look how beautiful your people are, that they fear you, that they observe you more than the czar, more than any other laws. There's nothing that could lead to a situation where a Jew would have chametz on Pesach in violation of your laws. Well, that is true, but sometimes, by accident, it happens. At least once every Pesach, I get the following question. Rabbi, I can't explain how it happened, I searched for chametz, I cleaned, I did everything I was supposed to do, and somehow I found chametz in my house on Pesach. What do I do? So the first thing I want to say is, if it happens to you, please continue to ask me those questions and any other questions, because each case is unique and because it is a great pleasure and honor for me to answer any question that a person has. But here are at least the elements that go into this question and the larger issues that it touches on. The first question is, is it chametz? For example, if it is kidneyos, which we've discussed before, kidneyos is the group of foods that contains rice and beans and corn and corn syrup and soy and a lot of other items, these are items that Ashkenazic Jews do not eat. Some Sephardic Jews do eat them, but some Sephardic Jews do not eat them. Sephardim are not monolithic on this subject. Yet, the category of kidneyos, it's not prohibited to own it. We're allowed to own kidneyos. I'm allowed to own a bag of rice. I'm allowed to own a bag of beans on Pesach. And I'm allowed to use it for non-edible purposes. If it's used for a skin cream, let's say, or it's used for some other purpose other than ingesting it, other than eating it, I'm allowed to do that. And the kidneyos that we have in our homes is not sold to the non-Jew because we state specifically in the sale of our chametz to the non-Jew, we're only selling chametz, actual chametz. Kidneyos is not included in the sale. So if you find kidneyos on Pesach, 
you should cover it or move it so you won't eat it by accident. But that's all you have to do. Nothing else is necessary. Of course, you have to make sure that the product that you find is only kidneys and not possibly chametz also. Just to give one example, rice, which is kidneys. But not all rice is permitted to those who eat rice on Pesach. For example, in North America, most rice that is produced is fortified with vitamins. Those vitamins might possibly contain a minute amount of actual chametz. So, unless you have investigated that this particular rice is free from any chametz, it cannot be treated like regular kidneys. This is a very important point, and it applies to all different products that that we assume to be kidneys and Jews who eat kidneys eat them, we have to make absolutely certain that there's no possibility of even a minute amount of chametz in them. That's number one. There's a very large dispute and a complicated dispute about products that contain chametz, but they are inedible. Either products that you might ingest like medicine, which a person would never eat on their own, like the covering of a pill, for example, or things that are not ingested at all and are not edible, like shampoo or deodorant. Now, this is a complicated subject. We'll leave the details for now. But the part that applies to what we are discussing is these products, when they are completely inedible, may be owned by a Jewish person on Pesach. They do not need to be sold. So, if you find such a product on Pesach, even if you yourself don't eat this product, don't use this product, there is no further action that is needed. Just leave it where it is. Nothing else is necessary. But, what about real edible chametz? In the middle of Pesach, somehow, notwithstanding all the preparations that you did, in your cabinet that holds the Pesach foods, you find a box of crackers or pasta. And it happens. What do you do then? There are two apparently contradictory rulings in Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law. The first ruling says that if it is during the days of Chol HaMoy, the intermediate days of Pesach, burn it immediately. You're not allowed to have it in your possession. It's prohibited. You're required to burn it. If you find it on Yom Tov, on the first two days or the last two days of Yom Tov, then you cover it to make sure that you don't accidentally take it. And then after Yom Tov, you burn it because you're not allowed to burn it. It's not something that's permitted to burn on Yom Tov. So you cover it so you won't come to touch it or handle it. And then after Yom Tov, you burn it. That's the first ruling. But just a few paragraphs later, the Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law, codifies the following ruling. 
If chametz from your neighbor rolls or is pushed by the wind from his property to your property. So it's it belongs to him, but it rolled over or was pushed over onto your property. If it is chol hamoed, you should push it back with a stick. Don't touch it directly because it's chametz, but push it back with a stick. And if it's yom tov, you should cover it. And then after yom tov is over, you should push it back to your neighbor's per, uh, uh, property with a stick. And the reason for this is you can't burn it because it doesn't belong to you. You can't burn somebody else's chametz. And since it belongs to your neighbor, so the fact that it rolled onto your property, we're concerned maybe you might make a mistake and eat it, so you cover it. Or at the earliest possible moment, you push it back onto your neighbor's property. For most of us today, only this second rule applies. Since we have the universal practice to sell our chametz for Pesach. We approach, for example, Rabbi Alex this week, and we arrange for him to be our agent to sell the chametz of all of us together to a non-Jewish person on the morning before Pesach. So since we're selling all of our chametz to this non-Jewish person for Pesach, and we stipulate in that sale that we are selling all of our chametz, we're selling the chametz that we know about, which is located in certain designated places, like my kitchen cabinet that I marked. But along with that, we're selling all other chametz wherever it might be. Now, the first thing it is, it is important to arrange the sale of chametz through a rabbi who is an expert in these laws. And a person should not try to somehow sell it on their own, since the rules about what constitutes a valid sale are very, very complicated. Sometimes a person will come to me and say, you know what, I just arranged with my neighbor, I sold him my chametz. It doesn't work. It's not going to fulfill the halachic requirements. Go to a rabbi who knows how to do this, have that person arrange the sale for you. It's the only way to make sure you're doing it correctly. That's number one. Number two, Everyone should be arranging for the sale of their chametz. Everybody. Even if you think that you don't have any chametz, you think that for whatever your situation, you got rid of it all, you're finishing it, you don't own any, still, it is the right thing for everyone to arrange the sale of their chametz for several reasons. One of them is to cover this situation. There may be chametz that you forgot about or you didn't know about, so the sale will cover that as well. But in this case, when we sold all of our chametz to a non-Jewish person and we then find chametz on Pesach, we cannot burn it because it doesn't belong to us. It was included in the sale. If we were to burn it, then either we would be stealing from the non-Jewish person who is the actual owner. I'm not allowed to destroy somebody else's property. That's called stealing. Or the only other conclusion to draw is, I didn't really mean that, that, that it should be a sale. I didn't really have confidence. I didn't, I didn't really think to myself that I was selling the chametz to the non-Jew. 
But that means that the entire sale is invalid. That means that you violated the prohibition of owning all your other chametz. And that's not the right thing. Therefore, what we have to do is we have to understand that we are truly, legally selling this chametz to the non-Jew and it does not belong to us. And if we find it, since we did the correct sale through the rabbi, if we find it on Cholomoed, we should move it to the place where the other sold chametz is. And if it's on Yom Tov, where we're not supposed to handle it, we should cover it so we don't make the mistake of using it. And after Yom Tov, move it to the place where the sold chametz is located. A number of years ago, I heard the following insight from a colleague, Rabbi Daniel Feldman. If you think about it, it's kind of strange that a large part of our preparation for Pesach has to do with business, with buying and selling, how to do the sale, how to write the contract, what are the conditions, is it valid, how do I know it's valid? It seems like a lot of subjects of commerce that don't seem to be so related to Pesach. How is it that we have reached this point where so much of our Pesach preparations involve this buying and selling and making sure that it is a proper sale. Rabbi Feldman says as follows. By selling chametz on Pesach to a non-Jew, we create a prohibition of gzela, of stealing. In other words, if I sell chametz to a non-Jew, it means it doesn't belong to me. If I were to go into the cabinet of the chametz that I sold and eat some of it, I would have violated the prohibition of stealing from the non-Jew. I stole someone else's property. But here's the thing. Even without that, I would have violated God's prohibition against eating chametz on Pesach. And it's very strange because God's prohibition of eating chametz on Pesach is one of the most serious prohibitions. The Torah tells us the punishment for a Jew to eat chametz on Pesach, God forbid, is the punishment of kares, to be spiritually cut off from the Jewish people. It's one of the worst punishments that's possible. And yet, we want to add a prohibition. We want to add another reason why we're not going to eat chametz on Pesach, because we sold it to a non-Jew, and by selling it to a non-Jew, ah, oh, that would be stealing. That I can't do. I wouldn't dream of stealing somebody else's products and eating it. What this practice shows us is the role that honesty and proper business practices have within Jewish law and within Jewish life. The idea that by adding this prohibition of stealing is going to make me more careful not to violate the laws of Chametz indicates the role, the primacy that we should have of honesty, of never taking what is not mine, of treating your property with integrity of never violating the prohibitions of stealing, that is part of what led to our redemption. Our sages tell us that that 
was a quality that Yashrus, the honesty and the um, honest business practices, honesty over how we treat our property and other people's property, that was one of the aspects that God saw in us that led to our redemption. And so when you prepare to sell your chametz this year and you fill out the form, you go to Rabbi Alex, you should think about the statement that you are making. That being careful with money, being careful with honesty, being careful guarding against taking what is not yours, this represents a magnificent evolution in Jewish practice to include this theme and to show its relevance in freedom and in our redemption. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.